0: That's that's a full-time job right there. I don't have any kids, but, uh, you know, my wife, she works at a children's hospital, so she like, she loves kids. She was here last night, and I know as she was watching that video, she was probably like, oh my gosh, these kids are so cute, so... That was awesome. She got to enjoy that. And uh, I'm sorry for you that you have to go from seeing those really cute babies on the screen to seeing this. So I apologize for you. I'll be praying for you in the back of my mind as I'm preaching today. Uh, My name is Clark. I'm one of the leaders on our staff. Uh, If we haven't met, uh, please come up to me, uh, introduce yourself. I'd love to meet you. I'd love to meet your family uh, normally I'm up here doing announcements from time to time, so uh, I just want to reassure you that this is a sermon today it's not just a really long announcement so this is this is a message like for real it's going to happen. Uh, but anyway, love to meet you and uh, just love being a part of this church and uh, what God is doing through it so we're in a series and a conversation called Highlight God Through You. If you've uh, been with us, uh, you know we've been uh, basing this conversation on the book of 1 Peter. Um, if you are just now jumping in with us, uh, you're actually catching us at kind of the tail end of this conversation. Um, we uh, Last week we talked about uh, this idea of highlighting God uh, through our love. Uh, this whole conversation is... Uh, like I said, based on First Peter. It's a time where there's a distance in time, there's a distance in language, a distance in culture. Uh, but what we see in this New Testament book of the Bible is that there is a lot of common ground that we share and a lot of things that we can really identify uh, with the people back in uh, Peter's time. And so we've been kind of drawing out some practical, relevant uh, things these past couple weeks. And so my hope is that uh, as we close this conversation down, we'll be able to do uh, just that. We've been talking about this illustration as well using a highlighter. If you think of the book of First Peter, you could kind of sum it up uh, this way. Um, a highlighter, you use it to highlight things, obviously. And uh, when you're focusing uh, on the highlight, you're not, not really looking at the highlight itself, but the words that are contained in the highlight. So in the same sense, we said for followers of Christ, which I understand not everybody would make that claim in their life, but if you follow Jesus, um, kind of our aim in this conversation is that we're saying that we want to kind of highlight God through a us, not drawing attention directly to us, but through us to Jesus Christ. So that's kind of our hope and our aim in this conversation, and uh, that's kind of what we've been uh, talking about. So like I said, we've been talking different ways of highlighting God through us, through our conduct and through our actions, through our words. Last week, uh, Dan did a tremendous job talking about the idea of highlighting God through our love. Today, we're going to conclude, talk about highlighting God through our humility, And uh, I just got to say, I think this conversation is important for uh, a lot of different reasons, but uh, uh, mainly because I think it could uh, cost us, both spiritually and relationally, If we lack humility, um, lacking humility could cost us spiritually. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, hopefully your aim and your mission is to share Jesus with other people who don't yet know Jesus Christ and the gospel and the story of his life, death and resurrection. And so uh, if we lack humility in conversations where we're trying to talk to people about our faith in Jesus Christ, uh, it could cost us if we come across prideful or arrogant in any way, shape or form, it could really, uh, we could spend all of our credibility, we could spend all of our influence on another person if we do not have humility. Likewise, this applies to everybody all across the board, whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, it can cost us relationally if we lack humility. Uh, We want to have influence and credibility when we're talking with our family members and with our friends, possibly some coworkers or if you're an employer, the way you talk to your employees, you gotta have this. If you don't have this, it's gonna come across prideful and arrogant and you might it might cost you an opportunity to influence and impact another person. So I think that there is uh, something at stake, and there's something that can really we could really miss out on some cool stuff if we don't have humility in our lives. Uh, If you're a type A person and you kind of want a destination for today, uh, we're going to be talking about, uh, my hope is that we're going to learn this, that humility is an opportunity to participate in the life of Jesus. Um, I really believe wholeheartedly when we survey the Bible, we see that Jesus really is the picture and the portrait of humility. And I hope that we uh, see that and discover that in our time together today. So that's kind of where I'm hoping to go. I think when we talk about this idea of humility, it's hard to talk about it without addressing the other side, uh, pride. And so uh, I usually like to, uh, when I preach, I usually like to share something a little bit personal about myself on the front end of the message. That way you can get to know me a little bit. But I also wanna highlight the idea of pride and just how destructive pride can be if we're not careful to pay attention to it. So uh, let me do that. Once upon a time, I, uh, when I was 22 years old, Two years old, I came to know Jesus. Uh, before that, uh, as many of you might know I've shared my story here before um, a big part of my life before Christ was partying, and it was drugs and alcohol. And uh, that was kind of a big thing in my life. I came to a point where I really wanted to get some uh, professional help, and I wanted to get on that road to recovery. And so like a lot of people, I sought out professional help, and I got some counseling, and I got some uh, medication prescribed. They assigned me to this program, kind of like a 12-step recovery kind of deal with some meetings to attend. And so I get a couple weeks into that program and things are going well I got two weeks of sobriety under my belt and I'm feeling pretty good about life and another couple weeks go by and I got like a whole month of sobriety and I'm feeling pretty good about myself so much so that I start thinking like man you know what I'm pretty good at this sobriety thing. Like, like, I'm feeling pretty awesome about myself, and so much so that I don't know if I actually need these counselors anymore. <laughs> like, I don't know if I need uh, this medication, I don't know if I need this program anymore. Maybe these people don't really know what they're talking about, right? Maybe I can do this on my own, right? Because I really know more than these people. Well, it was to my disadvantage because I left treatment, and with a week, I relapsed. And when I think back on that moment and that decision in my life, the valuable lesson that I learned was that pride is really destructive. Pride can cost you. It almost cost me my life. I don't think it's a stretch to say that. It cost me my sobriety for a season, but it almost cost me my life. Pride is very destructive. And so maybe you right now, maybe there's something that you're experiencing in your life where you're feeling some pride inside of you and it's costing you relationally or maybe even earlier like I said maybe spiritually maybe it's a conversation you have with somebody where you're a follower of Christ and you're trying to share your faith with somebody maybe there's an incident in your past where you said something it came across prideful or arrogant I don't know what's going on with you right now but pride is something that we just have to be very very careful about and I think it's one of those things that we cannot underestimate how hard of a battle this is, to strive towards humility. Uh, Pride is something that we all struggle with. It's common ground, it's a common denominator that whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, it's a struggle for each and every one of us. And so I think that uh, one of the things that we have to talk about uh, with this battle of pride is that it's hard. And I think it's hard for a lot of reasons. But I want to give you two this morning. The first reason I think it's hard is because humility goes against the grain of a self-affirming culture. If you think about it, everything from teachers to our counselors to advertisements to politicians to parents, they all kind of send you that message that you're awesome and that you should believe in yourself and that you should follow your heart. And we start to believe in that after a while. And we start to believe that were pretty awesome. Well, the problem with that is if if we look at that message and then we open up our Bibles and we see what the Bible says, those are two completely contradictory approaches to life. One of those says believe in yourself and trust in yourself. Well, the Bible would tell us, Jesus even says in John 14, to believe in God, to believe also in me. The book of Proverbs would tell us to not trust in ourselves. The book of Proverbs would tell us to trust in God. And so we just have to be aware of this. We just have to be sensitive to why humility is so hard. Another reason, I believe, is because success makes humility harder. It's hard for a straight-A student to feel like he or she does not have something to offer God. Um, If your business is going really, really well, and you know someone whose business is declining, or if your ministry is going really well, and someone else's ministry is about to end, or let's say that you have really good grades and someone else doesn't have good grades, or let's say that your marriage is really going well, but you know someone who their marriage is not going well, it's hard not to think that you didn't have everything to do with that success and that God didn't have anything to do with that success. It's hard to humble ourselves before God. There's nothing wrong with success, by the way. We just have to be aware that this is a challenge that we face when it comes to remaining humble before God. So we have these things working against us, but fortunately for us, the people back in Jesus's day, the people back in Peter's time, they faced pride too. When we think that the Bible's um, archaic and primitive and that it's regressive and it doesn't apply to us today, when we, we read 1 Peter, we learned pretty quick that, that pride is something that they faced, pride is something that we face today. So for the next uh, however many minutes or so, we're gonna have an opportunity to see what God has to say about this subject. So, if you got your Bibles, uh, I want to encourage you, invite you to go with me to 1 Peter chapter 5 as we close down this conversation, highlight God through you. It's going to be on page 852 in those black Bibles and the chairs under, uh, underneath the chairs. But if you don't have one, uh, go ahead and take one of those. We'll make that uh, a gift from us to you. We always say it like we want you to have your own uh, copy of the Bible. I believe that's important. So, happy Halloween. 1 Peter chapter 5, we're actually gonna key in on one specific verse, verse 5. It says this, in the same way, and we're gonna pause there, we didn't make it very far, but in the same way as what? Well, in the same way as the elders, Peter addresses the elders. An elder is a, uh, a leadership, uh, an office of leadership in the church. So uh, the Medina East Campus uh, Pastor Seth, Pastor Tony, they would be technically considered an elder. We have a team of elders that kind of leads and directs the church, the Medina East Campus. So an elder is a, is a really good thing. It's a biblical thing, but it's not something that we're going to talk about this morning. What I want us to focus in on is uh, this part right here where he says, all of you. Which, of course, you know, all means all, all the time. And that's all that all means. So he's talking about the leaders in the church, the uh, The followers of the leaders so the whole entire church so essentially Medina East campus so everyone and here's what Peter has to say all of you clothe yourselves with what's the word say it with me humility all right you guys could do better than that 915 clothe yourselves with humility very good give it a little horsepower Awesome. So, clothe yourselves with humility. I love the fact that Peter says, clothe yourselves. I don't know why, but when I read that, I just thought about the fact how every single day, we put clothes on. We wake up, we shower, we put clothes on. Every person here, before we came to church, we got dressed and put clothes on, right? And all God's people said, amen. Amen. I mean, how absurd would that be for you to get up and leave your house without a shirt on, right? That would be really disturbing. I mean, if I got up here without a shirt on, just think of how much counseling you guys would need. <laughs> it's disturbing to think about. And I think, I don't, I don't know, maybe, maybe Peter's thinking like, just as you have this daily routine of putting clothes on every day, so you should put on humility as well. I mean, if you don't have a shirt on, it's going to bother people, right? If you don't have humility on, people are going to notice that too, and it's going to bother them. This idea of humility, if we were to survey the Bible, uh, again, as I said earlier, Jesus is kind of the picture that we get of humility. If you're a Bible person, a couple passages that might come to mind might be uh, John chapter 13, where before Jesus goes to the cross, he washes his disciples' feet, he stoops down in humility and washes their dirty Palestinian feet, and uh, that's a really humble thing to do. Philippians chapter 2 is another passage that might come to mind if we're a Bible person. Uh, Paul addresses the Philippian church. He's talking about Christ's humility, how Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient, obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so we get this picture of humility, this radical picture of humility of Jesus Christ. Uh, so what we can gather here is that it is an attitude. Humility is an attitude. It's, it's a mindset. Uh, C.S. Lewis, I think, said it best when he said, humility is not thinking less about ourselves, but it's thinking about ourselves less. And so, I totally, 100% agree with that. And I think it's an attitude that we have to have. What else can we uh, draw from this passage? Well, I think we could see that humility is not only an attitude, but if you read that verse, it says, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, which means that Humility is revealed in our relationships. Uh, If you think about it, um, think of it this way. If I was at home right now, and I was just sitting on my recliner, and I just said, man, I am just, I am humble. Like, I'm really humble. Like, that would be weird, for one. But secondly, that would just not really make sense, because humility is not something that can happen in a vacuum. You can't have humility in isolation. You have to have other people around you. It's really easy to be humble when you're by yourself. But when you're around other people, humility becomes a lot harder. So humility is an attitude. And humility is something that happens within the context of relationships. Happens in community. So another shameless plug for life groups. If you want to be humble, go to life group. Um, another thing that I think that we could, uh, we could probably say about this, um, this idea of uh, humility is that uh, it's attractive. It's attractive to be around people that are humble. Um, people that are humble usually don't talk about themselves a lot. They usually want to know about you. And we just find this concept of humility attractive. Uh, if you think about uh, Jesus, uh, he was, people really liked Jesus. Uh, people who were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus. Uh, People who were nothing like Jesus liked to hang around Jesus. They liked to be around him, like tax collectors and sinners and people who committed adultery, all types of people that were broken people, but they were, they had this, uh, Jesus had this gravitational pull towards people that were nothing like him. And sure, he was God, so that probably helped, but the fact that he was humble probably helped as well. So again, we want to really get after uh, this big idea here. Peter doesn't just stop By saying uh, show humility towards one another, he kind of gives us the why. And he says it's because God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. What's fascinating about this, uh, Peter is quoting the book of Proverbs here. But what's really neat about this verse is that the verbs oppose and shows favor, some of your translations say the word grace, those are both in the present tense. And the reason why that matters so much is because it means that it indicates that God is continually sh- uh, opposing the proud and that God is continually showing favor and grace on those that are humble. And so I don't know about you, but for me to think that an all-powerful God could be opposing me in my pride That's a terrifying thought. But in that same sense, to know that an all-powerful God could be showing grace and favor to me, that's an incredibly encouraging thought. And so I think the idea here is that God opposes the proud, but then the question is really, why does God oppose the proud? And I think if we were to dig into our Bibles a little bit, we would discover that uh, God opposes the proud because back to my story earlier, uh, when I decided to leave treatment, that decision was basically me saying that I know what's best for me and that I'm not teachable. I don't need you to tell me what to do with my life. I can't trust you, I only trust myself. And so that's what pride does. Pride makes us think that we are the most smartest person ever. It makes us think that we don't need anybody, that we can't trust anybody, that we certainly can't trust God. And the Bible makes it really clear in 1 Corinthians that if anybody is to boast, if anybody is to brag, they should brag and boast in the Lord. And so the Bible says that, that pride is really us trying to seek glory, to use a Bible term. It's trying to, to seek the praise of everyone. But glory uh, rightfully belongs to the Lord. And so God will oppose the proud and he will show grace and he will show favor to the humble, So again, what is this going to look like for us if we're trying to highlight God through us? Back to our big idea again. Humility is an opportunity to participate in the life of Jesus. Like I said, Jesus was attractive in the sense that he was very humble to people. We say this a lot of times. uh, The gospel is already offensive enough. Uh, We don't want to make that more offensive than it already is. Uh, The message that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him, that message offends a lot of people. So why would we want to make that message more offensive to people? Why would we want to be prideful and arrogant when telling people about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ? I think that humility could be an invitation, an opportunity to participate in the life of Jesus, to make the gospel attractive, Not that we change the message of the gospel, but we are careful to deliver in a way where we don't come across prideful, where we don't come across arrogant, but instead we are humble. I really believe that two people could share Jesus Christ with someone. Uh, One person could share it in a very humble way. Another person could share it with a person in a very prideful, arrogant way, and you'll probably get two totally different results Sure, both people might reject Jesus and the message of the gospel, but one person might walk away thinking like, you know what, I totally disagree with that guy, but he was humble and uh, he actually cared to know about me and what I believe. And so you know what, like that was really interesting. I would have a, sit down and have a cup of coffee and talk with him again probably. And to me, that would be a win because you never know what God is gonna do with that. So I think it's really key that we are humble when we share, especially when followers of Christ are sharing the good news with other people who are interested in having that conversation. So let's talk a little bit about how this could show up in your life. What does this look like around the kitchen table? What does this look like around the water cooler at work? Well, let me give you a couple examples that I thought of. So if we're talking about humility in our friendships, I think one practical thing you could do with your friendships with other people is you could just admit when you're wrong. That's a very humble thing to do. And you're not going to be thought of as any less of a person if you do that. In fact, they'll probably respect you even more. So that's one way we could show humility in our friendships with people. We think about humility in our marriage. Uh, We talked about marriage in the weeks past. So if you want to hear a whole message on that, you could check out our podcast. But humility is a big deal in marriage as well. So one way we could show humility in our marriage is just to be quick to ask for forgiveness Um, if if we did something wrong, just admit it. Just be like, hey, I messed up. I should have done this. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And that's, to me, that's a very practical thing we could do. Uh, Humility in your home uh, with your family. Uh, If you're a student, if you want to blow your parents away, do some chores and don't complain about it, right? Uh, Pastor Tony always says, like, if you want to blow your unbelieving parents away, do some chores around the house and they will believe that there is a God in heaven. (laughs) Humility on the road. This one really hits close to home for me. Uh, When we're behind the wheel of a car, we need to remain humble. (laughs) When we see a yield sign, we have to know that that means yield. Let people merge onto the highway, right? You're like, this one sounds oddly specific. It's because it is. Um, It's something that really convicts me. Uh, When I'm in the car, I need to remain humble. Uh, Humility at work. We need to just recognize our limitations and just know that we're not good at everything. Um, I love what Pastor Bob, one of our leaders at Norton Campus, always says, none of us are as smart as all of us. And so we just need to know that we're good at some stuff, but we're not good at everything. And so we can lean on other people and maybe even say, hey, you know, this project, I think this guy would actually be better at it, you know, or I think she would be better at this than me because she's more gifted. Um, Humility at work, super key. Humility at the grocery store, again, Oddly specific, I'm just trying to think about places I go and people I interact with. Uh, Sometimes the credit card machines go down at places. Sometimes new people are getting trained and they're not as fast as other people. We just need to take the time, clothe ourselves in humility, and say, I'm going to be patient. And I'm going to show grace on this person because they're getting trained. Or you know what? Stuff happens. The machines are down. Showing humility at the store, wherever you go. Humility in our life groups. Assuming that you attend a life group, by the way, if you don't attend a life group, check out a life group. But assuming that you do, uh, maybe there's a comfy seat that you always like to sit in and you look forward to it every single time you go to a group. Maybe consider letting the new person sit in the new comfy seat. And it might look like you sitting in a less comfortable seat, but at least you're able to further the biblical community experience for that new person coming to group. Really solid way to uh, exercise humility, Clothe yourselves in humility towards one another. Very practical stuff, I believe. So again, I think when we look at all this stuff, uh, the temptation is to kind of be like, okay, I guess I just have to grit my teeth and try harder. I guess I just have to, like, be more humble, I don't think that's really what Peter wants us to do. In fact, I think uh, what God uh, wants us to do, again, is kind of like what Lewis said. I just like the way he says it. It's not thinking less of ourselves, but it's thinking of ourselves less. It's putting others first, right? It's putting Jesus first, and it's thinking of others' thoughts, others' ideas, and others' feelings before our own. And again, I I believe that uh, Jesus probably modeled this better than anybody. Uh, If you think about his life, uh, his birth, uh, his uh, life, public ministry, and uh, the cross, humble all the way through. Uh, Jesus was born, uh, you think of the Christmas story, he was uh, born in an animal trough, and then his first bed was a manger. I mean, that's crazy, like God's first bed as a human being was a manger. And then he grew up in this podunk town called Nazareth, which would be like Doyle's town today, which I could say that because I'm from Doylestown. But he lives in this Nazareth. It's not cool like the big city, like Jerusalem. And so he lives there 30 years in obscurity. And so what is he doing there during those 30 years? Well, he's humbling himself. And then Jesus enters his public ministry. I mean, there's so many examples of humility, but again, like him washing the disciples' feet before he goes to the cross. Um, He just has such a servant's heart. And then, I mean, ultimately, the... uh, the, the, the most famous act of humility, we all know, was the cross. Uh, Jesus Christ, he was stripped down, naked. He was beaten. He was flogged. His beard was ripped out. He was uh, you know, publicly shamed be, be, uh, in front of all his family and his friends. And then he was crucified. They crucified Jesus Christ. And so when we, when we see that, I know for me, that's very humbling to know that um, God became a man he put skin on and that he was nailed to a cross and he took all of my shame and all of my guilt and all of my weakness and all of my wounds. And it's, it's very humbling, it's very humbling. And so that, that enables us, it gives us grace and that gives us the promise of uh, forgiveness of sins and eternal life. And it's grace where we re- are recipients of that at the cross but then we need that grace every single day as followers of Jesus. So where does humility come from? Well, it's an, it's an outflow of the cross. It's an outflow of the grace in which we receive. And so that's, that's where humility comes from when we reflect on the cross of Jesus Christ. I know for me, uh, again, back to my story, uh, when, when, when I recognized uh, in that moment in my life that, that Jesus actually uh, died for me, a sinner, uh, that, that was kind of the, the turning point. That was where I was humbled uh, to the point where, man, I think, I think I'm ready to, to turn. And uh, to use a Bible word, I think I'm ready to repent, right? And that just means I'm going to change my thinking. That's literally what that word means. And I'm going to turn from my way, and I'm not going to trust in myself. I'm not going to follow my heart, but I'm going to follow Jesus because I can trust somebody who was nailed to a cross for me. And so, and so that decision, if you've never made that decision before, I would encourage you to do that. And you can do that right now. You can do that uh, today. And all you have to do is just say, Jesus, I'm, I'm tired of following my heart. Uh, I'm tired of trusting in myself. I, I want to turn. I want to repent. I want to change my thinking. And I want to follow you. And I want to trust you because I can trust a person that was nailed to a cross for me. And I know that uh, because of uh, your your death and your resurrection, you have stamped paid in full all across human history. And I get to be a part of that, and I get to receive that. So if you surrender your life to Christ, He will give you the promise of forgiveness of sins and eternal life. And, and I just implore you to do that. If you've never done it, I want to invite the band to come up, and I just want to address the person in the room that uh, maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking humility. It's a really good thing. Um, I think we should be more humble, but I'm having some trouble connecting the dots uh, to how Jesus uh, connects with that. Um, again, I just, I just want to encourage you that uh, I think you owe it to yourself and probably to the people that you have friendships, relationships with to implement a little bit of humility. But I'd also want to encourage you to, you know, it's, you know, it's, uh, I want to encourage you that, to the possibility that Jesus really is this portrait of humility, that he really is uh, the way that scripture outlines humility, that Jesus Christ, he is the ultimate picture of humility, uh, humbling himself to the point of death, death on a cross, and that he would forgive us of our sins, that he would give us eternal life. I would encourage you to do that this morning. But for those of us that follow Jesus, like I said, there is an opportunity here, and that opportunity, of course, is an invitation to participate in the life of of Jesus humility could make an enormous dent in our community and our friendships and our family in the world let me pray for us Lord we, uh, we just want to thank you Jesus we thank you for you being the ultimate picture the ultimate portrait of humility and Lord we just want to recognize that uh, we're not we're not really good at this God I'm not good at it I'm prideful, I'm arrogant, I think I know everything sometimes, and uh, we just need you, God, we desperately need you, we need your grace, and uh, Lord, we just, we need to reflect on what you did for us, Jesus, your life, your death, your resurrection. Um, it's humbling to, to be at the foot of the cross, Lord, and know that an all-powerful God became a man, uh, put skin on, died for us, took our shame, took our guilt, took our weakness, took our wounds, and you did that for us, God. You did that for every person here. I pray that for those of us that are following you, God, that we would remember the cross of Jesus Christ in light of all of our uh, temptations to be prideful, God. Help us to remember the cross of Jesus Christ. I pray for those here that have not yet made a decision to follow you, God, that you would work in their hearts and show them, God, that, that we can trust you, God. We can trust you. We can rely on you. And we we know because of the hope of the cross and the resurrection that, uh, that we could follow you, Jesus. So we just ask these things in your name, amen.